This is your Anime DJ's Weekly Rundown 41. Let's get it. What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing this evening? Dan? Good. I'm good. I'm happy to be back. <laughs> a little scatterbrained. Sorry, I've been traveling nonstop for work and then I was hanging out down at Bass's place. So uh feels good to be home after like two and a half weeks. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. It was good having you, man. Enjoyed the weekend. What about you, Tyler? Um, uh, I'm same as usual, bro. Uh, you know, uh just wondering who. Who won? Who won the golf uh, the tourneys? Uh, yeah, our buddy Kyle got me two out of three times. He's <laughs> he's been playing for ten percent of the time I have, and somehow has gotten good. <laughs> you know, well, you're ridiculous, think it's a fluke, bro. bro. Nah, he plays like two or three times a week. He and I play like twice a month. So oh, yeah, man. I was gonna say he's played uh ten years worth of golf in about the last year. So <laughs> for real though, yeah. He plays like four times, probably almost just 10 times as much as I do. Okay. But anyway, okay. yeah. Boys, we got some exciting uh, shows in our lineup. I think we had some good episodes this week. Uh, but guys, in order, what we're going to be doing this week is Undead, Unluck, 6, Freerin, Episode 10, Roroni Kenshin, Episode 19, Jujutsu Kaisen, Episode 16, and then, of course, One Piece, Episode 1083. So, you boys ready to get right into it? Let's do it. So, we're going to start with Undead Unlock Episode 6. Spoil. So, Andy took the hardest job that Apocalypse, that creepy-ass-looking book, offered him. And as much as they wanted their road trip slash date, ooh la la, <laughs> to be full of sunshine and rainbows, Shen and Spoil are determined to not let that happen. So, did you guys think we were going to get, like, a little, like, private jet helicopter action here? That's, that's what our boy said, right? I, th- I thought so, yeah. Yeah, and then he just showed up with a big rig? Like, he just got an 18-wheeler? <laughs> like, who owns a semi? I mean, he's out west in the United States. I think he's just trying to, like, fit in with the truckers, bro. I don't, I don't blame him. Yeah. I, I was, was curious. Uh... It, it was really interesting because I, I was expecting the chopper, but he does go into explaining it though, right? I think he said something about it. Uh, so I don't know. I was hoping he had like a full on arsenal in the back of that bad boy. Because <laughs> our know. man has a lot of arsenals. Yeah, I mean he might though. We we didn't get to see it. Uh, I don't I don't know. We'll get to see it next episode, but it would be interesting to. Him just like pull out the RPGs and shit. Well, he he did though. Okay. <laughs> That's true. Hmm. Yeah, no, I I like the truck though. You know, going on a road trip with your girl ain't too bad. Those are always fun. They got the bed in the back. It's 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 all Gucci. It's all Gucci. They were riding in style. Yeah, and uh, it looks like they're out in Nevada apparently. And was that was that like the Grand Canyon and shit that we seen over there? 
believe so. The Grand yeah. Canyon is in Nevada. Yeah. Well, we seen we seen him like uh, just sightseeing. You know, um, it was it was pretty interesting. All you know the uh, the Grand Canyon and them going really hard on all the uh, Western themes. So. Yeah, I was really liking it. Um, I don't know of any other massive holes out west in that state, so I'm assuming that was the Grand Canyon. Um, <laughs> Isn't the Grand Canyon in Arizona? It's over it's, a few states. Yeah. It's in Nevada, too. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, it, it's, in, it's, in, it's in several different uh, states. Yeah, uh, I think it's fucking mostly massive. in Arizona, though. I'm pretty sure, but it does go into Nevada and... Wherever the hell else is over there, I don't even know, man. You're asking the wrong person. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah. Uh did did y'all did y'all enjoy like the uh the SpongeBob re- reference that we seen? Yo, I was not expecting that at all. Um <laughs> because uh Fuko was thinking it was the sponge UMA and not the spoil UMA. That was a that was a funny little reference they did right there. They worked that in there somehow. Yeah. Yeah, I was I like I want to say I was surprised, but at this point I'm not surprised by anything this show does. Because it's all just so freaking ridiculous that it's like, all right, something dumb's going to happen right here. And sure enough, the dumb thing we got this time was SpongeBob car pants. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why she was thinking SpongeBob there in the middle of the desert, but hey, you know, she she doesn't know the geography apparently. Who wonder- lives in a pineapple in the Grand Canyon? SpongeBob SquarePants. I wonder. I wonder how they got away with that. Honestly, was it because they blurred it out? Yeah, that's the only way legally they could have gotten away with that, and I think that that's towing the line uh, itself. <laughs> yeah, and with how poorly it was animated, I mean, like it was. It, it was funny. Yeah, they can get away with that. Did you just say poor? You thought like, it was, I I thought it was pretty pretty no, off. Like Porous, you know, like sponge. Oh, porously <laughs> animated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I figured that one falls under parody law, you know. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I was super surprised to see it. I was like, damn, they really did this. I didn't even think they knew what SpongeBob was. So, but okay, now, SpongeBob's worldwide, big time, big time. I guess. But, uh, but uh, next we got some. Uh, Shin had collected some intel from some informants that they sent to uh, Longing City. And while they were listening to the audio, Fuko started like freaking out and maybe even having a panic attack. Like, what did you guys think was actually happening during that audio sequence? People were getting eaten. Yummy. Delicious. Mmm. Little Zom 100 action, dude. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I I mean, obviously, you know, she's a little bit squeamish or whatever, but I was kind of confused why they was like uh, making a huge deal of like the the dash and all the instrument gauges and all that stuff during this. You think that they would show her more if they wanted to emphasize that, I guess? Yeah, I don't know why they did that. I couldn't think of a reason. Like even like they showed like a Coke can or something and it said something like hate hate or something on it. Um I'm not sure if that's supposed to be like a reference to something uh in this episode. So definitely beat me on that one, yeah. A, a whole lot of the dash for for really no reason, I from what I could tell. I thought maybe it was something was gonna go wrong with the truck, but yeah. it seemed fine to me, yeah. 
Yeah, it was just uh, really confusing. Um, and we kind of got the vibe of that whole uh, scenario. We just didn't know. I just didn't know why they were showing that for. But it is what it is. Yeah, I was thinking spoil was going to be more like decaying people on contact instead of the whole zombie vibe. I thought it was just going to be like sort of OP, which turning people to zombies is is pretty OP. But like, I thought it was just going to be like death. Yeah. Same here. I, which I didn't really know what to expect, honestly, but um, it was different than what I ex- wanted to, to even think about. So, uh. yeah, definitely. So we also get a little background on why Fuko wants to actually uh, complete this mission so bad, and she's hoping that the UMA that they're going to learn about unrepair is or sorry the negator not the oma might be able to help andy find a way to die and that kind of surprised me because like i know fuko wants to help him die but does she actually you know like i feel like she really finally found a friend who she can like touch remotely you know like <laughs> you really right. want to die like that yeah it's like the only person you can make like skin to skin contact with you think you'd want to hang on to him um I mean, just for like, yeah, companionship in a way, instead of having to be in a sweater and gloves and a hat all time, all the time. Um, I, I think it's, I think when they get towards the end of the show, she's going to start to, or maybe later even in the season, she's going to start thinking about that. It's like, do I really want this person to pass on? Um, she knows Andy wants to die and she's just trying to help right now, I think. Yeah, it's going to be interesting though um, to see if this, this changes, especially, I, I think that, like you're saying, I think Fuko will change very easily her opinion on what she wants to do. But Andy, on the other hand, it's going to be interesting to see if he um, if he decides he doesn't want to die. That would be really interesting to see that transformation of trying to die to like, you know, uh, not not wanting to die at the end of this. So. Yeah, I'd be definitely curious to see it. I mean, homie is old. Like, I'm starting to think he's like Civil War era. He's got like an 1865 tattoo on his chest. And I'm thinking that's how old he is. Like, he's he's old. He's Abe Lincoln old. (laughs) (laughs) He's Abe Lincoln old. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I think he's going to want to stay dying in the end. That's my opinion. You know, he's been looking for a way to do this for a while. Um, he seems like to go by the seat of his pants and I think he's just kind of like over it. And th- that even happens in real life with like older people. It's like, okay, like everybody I've, I've known is, is gone. Yeah. He's met a bunch of new people, but I'm sure at some point living a long time, it's kind of like, okay, like what, what am I doing here still? Yeah, definitely, man. Well, maybe, maybe they can like, you know, uh, come together and, uh, go out at the same time type of deal, you know? Not Fuko, bro. No. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Well, she, you know she wanted to. Like, what's her? What's her will to live after he goes? You know, she's back at square one where she's gonna jump off the damn bridge. You know. That's very true. Actually, yeah, that's so. fair. Yeah, I'd be curious to see if her unlock can take her out in that aspect. You know, like maybe when they're older, and uh, they finally do the dirty. She just clings on and they both take a. I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even know how bad that unlock is going to be, you know, like that's like. 
<laughs> if, a, if a kiss gives you a meteor, I can't imagine what Humpin's going to do. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say hanky panky, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> you think we got like a long way to go, though, honestly, before we get to that? I don't, I don't think we do. I think that's coming soon, honestly. This has got to be more than a one season show, right? Yeah, but like, I feel like that part is coming sooner than we think. I mean, just because oh, it happens doesn't Martin. mean it's it's over. You know what I mean? Because it could keep on going. You know, I mean, it does obviously because the manga's still going. So, well, I don't know if they've done that in the manga yet, but yeah, it's interesting. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> well, you guys want to get to some explosions? <laughs> Hell yeah. So they make it to this city and they've built like a giant wall around it to keep all of the zombies in. And Andy gets the right idea to take out an RPG and blow a giant hole in said wall, unleashing a horde of zombies. Which was awesome. <laughs> but he had a plan. And his plan was, you know, pretty classic zombie movie vibes. And he just ran them all over on a bridge. And there's just bodies flying everywhere. And I was pumped. This seems awesome, man. Yeah, I thought it was really cool myself. I love how he told uh, Fuka to, like, you know, shut her mouth or she's going to bite her tongue off. It's going to be a bumpy ride. Um, but, yeah, it was a cool little scene. Uh, bodies kind of going everywhere. It got a little it got a little uh, over the top for me. Uh did you still did you still enjoy it since it was over the top, Tyler? Yeah, I mean, it's uh I feel like this show wouldn't be what it is if it wasn't over the top. Uh, you know, it wouldn't I don't think the action would hit the same. Uh it's just what this show is now. So uh I do I do love how he just like pulls shit out of his ass. It, like this this show is a walking ass pool, honestly. <laughs> I feel like Andy's a walking ass pool. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. He's the show, basically. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a walking show. ass pool. <laughs> Where does he yeah. get the RPG at? He just like pulls it out of his mouth, I guess. I don't know. That's like, why he pulled up with the truck. He didn't know what he's going to need. He's got he's the got armory the... in the back. Dude has a lot of armories. He did tell us that. We just don't know what he's what they're in and where they are. True. And I know he's got one in America. Our gun laws go crazy. Because they're non-existent. <laughs> he's got all that in Japan. You got to think what he's got in America. That's true. Different bro. animals. That's true. He might have an Apache helicopter in that bitch. Who knows? I hope he does. That'd be fucking awesome. It would be tight. <laughs> but yeah, so after he plows over this horde of zombies, he uh, they make it to the city. And, well, he kills a lot more zombies. And he goes crazy with his blood sword style and just starts decapitating and cutting up and like absolutely destroying like hundreds of zombies and that was also very over the top it really yes. was yes yes um I, I did like how shin approaches things very differently than andy from what we saw andy was just going to figure out how spoiled work as they fought it but um shin would say hey we got to be a little bit more careful these these umas are the embodiments of these powers so a lot of times they can have like range and just be able to affect you just by getting close we found out that was the case here. He called it right. 
It says you got to be careful because of that. And they don't really care or have any morals. They just want to use their powers. So I thought that was cool. We got a little explanation of the UMAs right there. Because I think last episode, me and Tyler were like kind of speculating what they could be. It makes sense that they're an, they're an embodiment. Yeah, literally the embodiment of catastrophes. Yes. Like that shit, got, that shit goes kind of hard. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving that we're getting a little bit of lore. They're, they're, they're drip feeding us lore every episode. Yeah. But, so Andy plows right in, and sure enough, Spoil's ability is, in fact, activated by range, and we see this number pop up on Andy. And it just starts ticking down, and sure enough, he turns into a zombie. And he meets, he meets someone a little special. Special to him. He meets his future bride. What'd you guys think of that? You know, I love a good love story. (laughs) (laughs) I just like how he was randomly able to speak what they're calling Zombanese. So uh, that was really interesting. (laughs) Hey, hey man, he's turned into a zombie, too. Maybe it's just like you pick up the language right away, you know? The the grunting and the the moaning and the other things that zombies do. (laughs) The gurgling and whatnot. Yeah, he just wanted to get down with the culture. I guess, uh, but that was really interesting. Uh, I don't, do you think they like did that to like create a little bit of tension between Foucault and himself? I don't think so. Uh, only because he asked Foucault, he said, Hey, you mind if I do this? And Foucault, I love how Foucault just like laughs. She's like, Go for it 100%. <laughs> <laughs> she was so entertained by that shit. It's funny. It's just so funny, dude. <laughs> and then we, uh, while Shin's yelling out to Andy, Fuka kind of notices the little blonde, blonde kid come up uh, from like a sewage hatch or something, like some underground tunnels, and kind of falls him down into the, 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 the underground. I wouldn't have been brave enough to do that. I'm not following anybody anywhere into dark spaces, especially underground in a town full of zombies. It's really messed up. Um, I was thinking maybe that could have been spoiled, but it wasn't a zombie. I don't, I don't know what kind of form he could have taken, but I was like, yeah, this is definitely a trap. Did you guys think that as well? Yeah, I mean, we we haven't really seen a UMA uh, yet, right? This is the first one we kind of seen, so we didn't really know what the appearance would be, and we still kind of don't know uh, the exact appearances and stuff, right? Um, uh, we we saw the clo the clothing. UMA and oh, yeah, it was yeah. just like a without a person it's kind of just like a blob so yeah I wasn't sure about what forms they could take either yeah so I wasn't sure if that was them and like if it was just a human with the ability you know um I, I thought it was spoiled at first but I thought it was kind of crazy that she just run off because she don't have the undead skill um that Andy has so she's more vulnerable um, when it comes to the un, uh, the spoil uh, curse, I guess you can call it. So it's interesting. Yeah, I definitely didn't think they were like bad guys because they were just kids. But, you know, uh, like Shen had said about a range and I was getting kind of worried there. And sure enough, we saw Fuko go and hug this kid and get affected. And it was kind of interesting because the kids all had that same timer on them. But they had a much longer time period on it. So it kind of had me thinking like, oh, the older you are, the faster you spoil. 
which kind of makes sense because you know that's what you do when you're old and in the ground is you decay right right so they have more time but that must be why andy spoils so quick because the dude is older than dirt <laughs> yeah it only took him a little bit they were i mean what was it like 900 seconds or less like 800 seconds um so he didn't have to wait around long but the kids was like 10,000 or something like that or 9,000 900 and something so yeah i definitely do believe it's uh has something to do with your age yeah and i also wonder like if uh other powers that are kind of similar to spoil as far as like curses go, I guess you can say. I wonder if they have like the same approach where they affect the children differently than adults or if it's just like um, spoil only or like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I thought about that, too. And I was thinking maybe it's just spoiled just because of the nature of its power, um, because we don't know what kind of unpowers or are really in the world or you UMAs don't seem to have to be negators. They, you know, the, the clothing thing is, is a little bit different. So I, I just wonder what kind of powers are out there. Cause it seems very broad. Yeah. I think every uh, UMA is going to have its own rule set because we've been talking so much about rules in this anime that I think, you know, it'd be kind of lame if they all had the same rule set, you know, like that would be fun. Yeah. Um, but, uh, then we get into, uh, Andy actually marrying the zombie, uh, they, and after all of it said and done, um, but, you know, it's important to mention that they didn't get to the kiss the bride part, because apparently all she wanted to do was wear the dress, um, but they actually find Spoil, and he's actually the statue, uh, in the church that they was getting married in, so, um, and it turns out to be like a titan-like monster. It's like very big and monstrous looking, uh, titan-like figure. So, um, what did y'all think of that? He was a big bitch, dude. He was huge. <laughs> he kind of reminded me of like some of like the bad guys you saw in like One Punch Man. Okay. I definitely was was getting that kind of vibe. When she was pointing to, to, towards the statue, I thought she was just pointing outside. And so I was like, you know, where is Spoil? Where is UMA Spoil? And I, I didn't realize she was literally pointing at the statue at the time until he started, like, transforming. And, like, Andy cut it. I was like, is, is he sure that's it? And then it started, like, I guess, like, bleeding or something of the sort. And I was like, oh, that's, shit. That's it. That's it right it now. Gnarly. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, we now know that UMAs are very different than negators. So, uh do you guys think all the UMAs are going to be this scary and this huge? Or do you think it's going to be dependent on their, uh, I guess, what catastrophe or whatever they are, you know? Yeah. I, I don't even think they have to be, like, catastrophes. I think they're going to probably find some really, like, cool ones that they don't want to capture or ki or kill. Um, because, like, clothing isn't uh, a, a disaster, you know? It, it's devious. It's, it's definitely not a, a good guy or a thing. Depends on their outfit. It could be a disaster. Oof. It, it could be. It could be. Um, but yeah, I think they're going to be good and bad. This show has kind of surprised me with the amount of depth that it, that it has compared to when it started. So I, th I think it's going to be, I think it's going to, some of these capturings or killings are going to be emotional. Yeah, for sure. And I guess the, uh, the last question we can, we'll get to is you know the obvious one um 
uh, do we think uh, Andy's going to be able to get uh, Spoiled to actually undo the curse on Fuko and Shin? Um, because we all know that he's not supposed to kill them. And obviously just capturing him will probably not break the curse. What do y'all think about that? Oh, he's definitely going to kill him because his former bride-to-be asked him to. So it's game on. True. Oh, he said so? he couldn't turn it down. Yeah, he said he couldn't okay. turn down the request. Mm, okay. I think he's going to be smoking on a uh, spoil pack at the end of the next episode. <laughs> uh, I guess we don't have to worry about um, uh, Fuko and Shin then, I guess. Or unless it keeps on going after. We don't know much about it, so. Um, I'm assuming it doesn't keep on going. So, True. yeah, I'd be curious to see if Fuko doesn't join the battle, but like tells Andy what's going on, and then he goes beast mode. You know? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, I can Is definitely that... see uh, Andy trying to protect Fuko from becoming a zombie. Yeah, just because that's his ticket to the afterlife, man. That's all he wants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But well, awesome! You guys want to get into free run? Yeah, let's do Heck this. Yeah. So we got Freeran episode 10, the powerful mage. Um, basically we find out who Freeran truly is in this episode with the help of flashbacks and aura the guillotine. Welcome to Sase no Freeran. And basically this episode starts off with a flashback of Freeran talking to her sensei, Flame, about demon behavior. Um, saying that they don't play fair, so uh she decides to play even more unfair uh do you do you guys agree with this mindset and did you like have any idea of kind of what they was talking about at this in the opening right here i didn't but i i definitely agree with the sentiment that like um you shouldn't fight fair um like even like a street fight, like it's a it's a fucking street fight. Like this isn't a we're not in the UFC. Like I'm gonna gouge you in your eye if I get the chance. Like fuck you, especially with like it's, imagine like a fight to the death. I mean honors for dead people. Like I'm trying to stay alive. Fuck all that bullshit. <laughs> all is fair and love and war, right? <laughs> Dan Dan's just laughing. He doesn't even know what to say. <laughs> yeah, I totally out here, bro. I totally agree with the mindset, you know, like you got to fight fire with fire. And if they're going to do some, some scumbaggy shit, you got to do some scumbaggy shit back. <laughs> like gouge their eyes. Yeah, dude, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't fight me. I, I, I'll, I'll do some dumb shit to you for real. Did y'all yeah, have, no, I... have any idea of like what they was kind of talking about in this uh, scenario or no? No, I just knew they were up to something devious and I liked it. We got you. Yeah, once we get into the fight with Lugner, it, it started making sense. Okay. Um, speaking of that, you know, we we go back to Lugner and Fern, and Fern's just talking to him while he's got like a huge gaping hole in his body, and I I'm not sure how it was standing upright still because it doesn't didn't make sense. But um, uh, but we was wondering why they kind of left Aura alive in the past battle me and bass was and apparently the demons retreated during the battle with the hero party back then um so i guess that answers our question there um and he also brought up the fact that fern and Furin wasn't being fair because they're using dirty tactics and still at this time we don't really know 
what he we didn't know what he was talking about. We only had hints, I guess. But uh, it goes to say, like, doesn't doesn't demons do the same thing when they use words, though? Like, yeah, that's crazy. And I think he was doing the same thing right then, like trying to get them to fight fair in the future. Yeah. You know, quote unquote fair. Because, uh, <laughs> like, I really don't find it all that underhanded what they, like, you know, what they revealed they were doing. It's just underhanded to the demons. Yeah. Because they're getting shit on. They need to well, get good. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they go into it a lot, too, about how, like, magic is the thing demons are most proud of. And like they all get ranked on their mana and shit like that, so they go into it a lot further. But we'll wait to get into that. Yeah. Um. I guess. Uh. Also. Um. We go into the flashbacks of Freeran now. Um. And actually, how Flame finds Freeran. Apparently, she killed a demon general that attacked her village, and everyone died but her. And she was able to kill it. Um. Um. So, and then we find out that after this that the Demon King actually ordered that all else be killed. Uh, why do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, the, th- the only thing I can think of is that elves are probably the only ones who can compare to demons when it comes to magic ability. So you got to take out the potential of your enemies, you know? Like, if there hasn't been one yet who can take you down, fuck them. Take them all out, you know? I think that's what's going through his head. Yeah, I think it's like the same thing we saw in, like, uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. Take out the air nomads first because they're the biggest threat to you. Okay. I like it. I I know I was talking about it on uh, another episode, uh, a couple, like, back then or whatever, um, that I think that Furin could be one of the last elves. Like, y'all think this, like, supports that? Yeah, um, I think she even says that in the first three or four episodes. She says, um, one, there's not a lot of elves left, and two, they kind of don't like go out of their way to like get with each other, like reproduce, so like they're dying out. So she's definitely a rare sight nowadays. So definitely the one of the last ones. Yeah, I don't think she is the last one though. Like, I feel like they just keep bringing this up. So we're going to meet another elf eventually, whether it's a good elf or a bad elf or what, I don't know. But I feel like they've brought this up too many times for just to be like, oh yeah, they're all dead. Yeah. And also if you, if you think about it, like, um, so we now know how mana gets accrued over you, you studying magic or practicing magic or training magic. So the longer the lifespan, the bigger threat you are. And we know demons have a long lifespan. Aura's been around for about 500 years. So you would want to take out the race that can live longer than you and accrue more mana over time. So I think that makes sense that the Demon King is, you know, trying to, was trying to go after them first. They're the biggest threat in that regard. And the thing that they love and hold the highest. Magic. I'm just wondering if they was actually successful. You know, that's, that's what I'm wondering. I so. doubt it. But, um, yeah. Uh, and then I guess we get into the... Flame telling Freeran that demons, like what Dan was saying, demons don't suppress their mana like um, they choose to do because mana is basically power for them. And um, uh, they got into it a lot. Uh, I'll let uh, Dan go ahead and uh, go with it since he was talking about it earlier. That way we can just continue it. 
Yeah, so basically Flame teaches Freerun how to control her mana and hide how powerful she actually is by suppressing it. But it's still all there. Like, and she teaches the same thing to Fern, and that's what surprised me, because, like, I they haven't talked about this at all yet. So I was really surprised when Lugner was like, oh, you're, you're, you're a dirty cheat, you know, like you're lying to me. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's my girl. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I find it really interesting, like why they can't or they refuse to suppress their mana. We know they can do it for stealth purposes, but they can't, they won't do it permanently. Um, Flame actually goes to say like, you know, it, it would be like a, a human or like a noble in their world, like choosing to live on the street. They're all ranked by how much mana they have, how good of a mage they are. So they really can't do it. And they get treated poorly if they have a, a, a low mana pool or a small mana pool. So, yeah, they re- they're very proud, arrogant beings, you know, uh, descendants of monsters. And they have to flex all the time to k- keep their status. Well, that's it, dude. Mana, mon- mana's power. You know, like that's, that's how you get your rank. That's how you do what you do. Yep, and yep, if yep. you're born with a high mana pool, like you're destined for greatness. Which is why it pisses these demons off so much when these incredibly powerful mages are suppressing their mana. They're basically dishonoring like their way of life. So I love this shit. This is this is some underhanded tactics. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, I'm just kind of curious, like why, like um, not not just the demons, but you know, Flame Flame also said that it was a dishonor amongst mages in general to suppress mana. Um. I'm just wondering why it's that big of a deal. Like, should like in my mind, you should use whatever tactic you can to win a fight, especially if it's a fight to the death, right? So, I just don't, I don't understand that uh, very much. So, yeah, and I think there's like some kind of like power boost they get from it, um, because when Flame you first te- you know starts teaching uh, Furin she's like yeah the only the only thing you're gonna do is just like you're gonna control your mana for the rest of your life and we're gonna work on growing your mana pool and like pretty much the basics and she says that's it she's like yeah that, that that's the whole that's the whole get up that's what i got and she was like considered a genius uh flame was so there's something about keeping your mana suppressed that actually uh i think grows your abilities over time yeah that would make sense because you're constantly controlling your mana so like you're always thinking about your mana, you're you're doing everything, you know, like in that sense. And it kind of reminds me of DBZ when they like hide their power level. It's the same thing, you know. Very true. Very true. Um, and it's funny, like now that I'm thinking about it, it's like Fern was doing that her whole childhood, even before she met Freyrin. So I think that's another reason that Freyrin wanted her to be her. Well. Uh, found it acceptable that to become her apprentice. So was she actually suppressing it in her childhood? I thought she just had a, a low mana pool until she started training. No, the um, the bishop or the the priest or whatever used to say, "Yeah, you were you're really good at controlling your mana. Um, I can hardly find you in the woods when you go to practice." So she was already doing it, and then Furin made a comment about it when she found her kind of like trying to blast that rock on the other side of the canyon. Gotcha. So she was she was already on it. And I think that's why she thought uh Fern had potential in the first place. 
But yeah, I'm not really sure why Flame would be calling it unfair and dirty. Maybe she sees it under as an underhanded tactic because, you know, I'm so damn powerful. I really don't have to do this. <laughs> just like tricking motherfuckers, you know, like she knows she's, she's playing dirty tricks. It, it would be interesting if we actually got to like see, like, I know demons can't use this all the time, but what if they used it like they kind of do words? That would be um, very uh, interesting, especially if someone like Aura, Aura, Aura had learned to use it, right? So. Yeah, she'd be mad OP. Yeah, and um, uh, we get into like Flame. Uh, we we get to see Flame asking Freeran if she still loves magic, and um, Freeran says, you know, she says somewhat now. And apparently, like fifty years ago, Freeran said it. Uh, Freeran Freeran was asked, and she said that she loved it. And I'm just kind of curious, like, why does why does Flame keep asking this question? And we know that Fruin has also asked Fern this. Do y'all have any, like, thoughts on why it keeps coming up? Yeah, the only thing I can think is that, like, if you're basically suppressing your mana, like, it, it would get tiresome. It would, it would become, like, a, a chore, you know? And that might turn you away from magic overall if you're sitting there doing that the entire time. It's kind of like if you want to get really good at something and you do it all the time, and it becomes a, a job instead of a hobby. You know, it's like kind of the same thing, I think. Yeah, I think that's really valid. I think anything that you do a lot or even like too much is, is easy to fall out of love with if you don't have a really burning passion for it. Like me with golf, like I grew up playing golf. I played all the time when I was a kid. I played competitively for like 10 years. And now like I'll go out if my friends want to go play golf, but like, and I go out by myself every once in a while, but I don't play nearly as much as like my friends that have started playing the last three to five years who are like, I can tell like are in love with the game and I'm kind of just like out there like chilling. <laughs> so I definitely understand why she's asking her that question. Yeah. I'm just curious if it like, if it's a uh, deeper meaning behind it, um, you know, just trying, you know, I'm not sure, honestly. Um, but then she goes on to tell her to live in obscurity and don't leave your name in history until you defeat the Demon King. And I thought that was pretty interesting um, as well um, on why she would actually tell her that. Is that to, like, make her want to, like, make her know that that's the goal that she should be after? Is that the reason why she said that? Um, my, my thoughts about that was, is, like, she can't trick the Demon King if she's famous. You know, right. she's, she's got to lay low so she can actually keep tricking these demons. If she becomes famous and it's like, oh, this is a powerful mage too early. She, you know, whenever she pulls up on a demon and she's famous, they can be like, okay, I got to be really be on my P's and Q's. Hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. You know, I didn't think it had anything to do with like trying to like hide her power. It was more to hide the fact that she's going to want to fuck these demons up in the end, you know? I gotcha. Um, did y'all, so we, we actually got to see a lot of, uh, uh, you know, Freeran's backstory this time. And apparently, you know, after Flame dies, uh, Freeran goes and builds a cabin in the woods close to a small city, just living her life. And then we get to see Himmel, Hodder, and Aza show up, you know, trying to recruit her. And I found it interesting that, uh, uh, Otter said that she has like one fifth of his mana and Himmel was like, 
know. I feel like she's the strongest mage I've ever met. Uh, like, did y'all did y'all enjoy all that? Yeah, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, you know, the kind of way I looked at it is Himmel can see past mana because he's not a mage, and he can just kind of see that. I don't want to see you can see it in her eyes or something because her eyes are always very like. I don't want to say deadpan, but they don't show a lot of emotions. So like, yeah, she's, she'd be chilling. He just kind of saw into her heart, you know, like saw who she was. And I mean, she's like, she looks like she's like an eight year old living out in the woods by herself, you know, like, come on, she's got to be a badass. That's true. And I, and like, I, I think it's interesting. That's like a little bit of a power scale there. Well, I guess, I guess Hyter is, we haven't really seen it. It's like really, um, Furin has two times the, his amount of mana. Which is honestly a massive amount. So uh, Hunter's no slouch himself, but yeah, I, I think you know there's rumors of a strong mage in the woods, and you pull up, and she's like, "Oh, I'm just collecting flowers." You know, you know something's up. I'm just making a salad. <laughs> <laughs> and she's, I, I, I really enjoyed it where she was just like, "Uh, you don't need mediocre mages like me. Just leave." <laughs> that, that had me cracking up. Uh. But um, I really enjoyed the backstory, though. Uh, but I guess uh, we get into the last, you know, the big, the big thing: Aura versus Freeran. Um, You know, we get in, we see that Aura uses her magical scale that, uh, and she believes that she's gonna win. Um, she has no doubt in her mind. Uh, she's like, you know, I don't think you've had more than a hundred years of training. Uh, your mana has barely changed in the 80 years since I've last seen you and all this good stuff. And, and then what did you think about her going into that final scene with that much confidence and then just total, like how to, you know, tables turn, bro. The scales were tipped in a very different direction. <laughs> if you know what I'm picking down here, basically, Aura's out here talking all this shit. She's like, I've been training in magic for like 500 years. I've never stopped. You look like you don't do shit. You're lazy. <laughs> and then we just slowly watch Free Run Soul tip the scales. And then she unleashes her mana. And this thing hits like the ground. Like it is like you took like a thousand pound weight and put it on against a bag of feathers. You know, yeah, like, shit was dense. It was dense. Yeah, it was nuts. And like you just see free run unleash her full mana, and it takes up the entire like screen, like it's it's everywhere. It's insane, dude. Yeah, and like it completely overshadowed Aura's mana, um, to where like she wasn't didn't even have any output. So and like she actually reveals, she's like, no, I'm a, I'm over a thousand years old. I've been training this whole time, kid. Like, and that's what they're doing when they're suppressing. That's constant training. So I think it it grows their mana at like a more steady and rapid pace than somebody that doesn't constantly try to control it. So that was a really cool turn of the tables. Also, Freerin was like trying to like warn her the entire time. Like, Are you sure you really want to do this? Are you I'm sure her. About that? <laughs> yeah. And then Aura's death was, it was awesome. It was so sweet to see that pompous little, demon bitch get what she had coming i loved it tyler what did you think about like Furin's attitude throughout this whole interaction like it, it it seemed a little nonchalant to me i mean she knew like 
so Aura Aura thought she was she was you know the bad bitch, but Furin actually knew that she was, and that's just uh, you know that's what her attitude exuded, you know, um, and I just love that she like got snarky with her kind of is like. Yeah, oh yeah, you you you've been training for five hundred years. Well, this is what a mage looks like. It's been uh training for or alive for over a thousand years, and I was like, damn, okay. I kind of got chills. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, that shit went hard, dude. Hundred really percent. And I and I love how like Furin was just like, okay, kill yourself, and then just walked away. Yeah, it's like checkmate. It was so cold. Like it was like. <clears throat> You know, I, like sometimes I say cold and like that, like it's cool, but like it was like literally just like cold and like sort of jaded in a way. Like, I think she earned like a spot in one of the most disrespectful moments, like in anime, right then. Honestly, yeah, that was some black Air Force energy. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. And I, I actually enjoyed uh, the fact that um, they switched to POV. Um, there at the end, after she uh, ended up cutting her own head off or whatever, they switched it to her point of view, and you could like literally see her, like her point of view as her head was like flying off, and all you could see was Furin walking away, like just chilling. Yeah, I also thought it was interesting that like Aura started crying as she like was sitting there with the blade on her neck. Yeah, didn't, I didn't think demons got like that emotional. Um, we know they're proud people, but they, they have fear and, and sadness in them like anything else. Yeah, it's uh pretty interesting. Uh, but is, is that all we got on all that good stuff? That is it. Dan, you uh, want to get us into some Roroni Kenshin? Let's do it. So the episode picks up right off where we were last episode. Uh, Sonosuke met, met an old homie. Mm -hmm. His name is Katsu. He's a member of the Sekiro Army, or the fake Imperial Army, as everybody has come to know them by. And basically, the episode starts off with them. Sonosuke is going to throw a little party. Big fan of that. Who doesn't love a party, right? And basically, he invites a bunch of his friends and allies from the town, uh, people we've seen throughout the show. And I was kind of curious, like, why do you guys think he did this? Because I had a very different thought at first than actually what happened. Um, we talked about it a little bit last episode, but he was mainly just like saying goodbye to everyone, trying to pay back the people at the hot pot shop um, for all the free food um, that wasn't really free. Well, that was, that was in the last episode my bad I was watching both back to back there's no <laughs> issues brother we got you we got you um, <laughs> yeah whatever well, but yeah it's funny that you mentioned that though uh because you know at the towards the end of the episode it kind of um uh it kind of makes you think that uh Sanosuke held that party on purpose to get uh Kenshin involved Okay, that isn't what I thought. I thought they were he was having the party to try and show his childhood friends that there like Katsu that there was like reasons to find joy in life. You know, that's kind of what I thought. Yeah, that's what I was saying last episode. I thought he was like, yeah. okay, dude, like I've been living my life. Look at all these friends I have. 
you know, like you can be a part of this life too. You know, we we got we got Mega Me here. You know, we got some bad bitches, some some cool homies. Like it's everything's good, brother. That's what I thought. But yeah, so uh, after that, you know, they make their way to the the home ministry there. Um, the home ministry. Yeah, and they they set off a couple of bombs, and um, kind of Kenshin just pulls up and is like, "Yeah, no, no more of this, guys. Like this is ridiculous. What are you doing?" Yeah, and I was kind of surprised. So in the original anime, this went down differently. And I don't know if you remember this, Bass, but in the original, like, Kenshin and Sonosuke went at it during this fight. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It was less talking and more hands, for sure. Hmm. Um, they've changed a few things, like the 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 arc with, like, the fake sensei of the, the, the kid. I forget his name at the moment. He... um. I believe his his dad had died, and and then that and that rendition of it. So it's it's been it's, they're changing things too. They're speeding it up, and they're changing some things. Yeah. So I did a little research on this, and it turns out this is how it happened in the manga. Really? Okay. So this is a more true adaption of the original manga. So I think that's really cool to see. That's that's interesting. Uh, did did y'all enjoy like this one more than the you know the fighting style? I guess. No, I want boxing, dude. <laughs> yeah, Sinosuke, yeah. Though. Sinosuke and Kenshin, you know, you don't want friends to fight like that, bro. So it was, it was like a coming to, to Jesus moment. Like, it was, yeah, it was a fight, but it was also Kenshin, like, kind of drilling them on, like, why they should be move on. Don't throw away your lives type of deal. You know, and where in this rendition, or the, the I guess the more accurate version to the manga... Sonosuke is pretty easily swayed here, and they're really just trying to focus on Katsu bringing him to life. And if and it kind of, I kind of also didn't like how it was like when Kenshin showed up. Sano was like, "Okay, yeah, nah, like I can't, I can't beat this guy, so like I'm not even gonna hardly try." Where in the other one, it was like he was trying to will a win out of it. So I, I like the, I like the old anime version a little bit better. See, that's that's uh, that's what I was trying to say though. It feels like that Sonosuke kind of set it up for where Kenshin would get involved and um, that way he, you know, he would kind of make him understand that you can't do this. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I mean, but but Sano was going to crash out for Katsu. That was, he really wasn't trying to get Kenshin involved. He even says that the Katsu later in the episode, Katsu is accusing him of being a traitor you know, you led Kenshin here. He knew about my plan. And Sano was like, you know, no, I, I did not do that. Like, he he must have, like, figured something out. And he's like, you know, he's just kind of that, that kind of guy. He gets in other people's business. Yeah, I feel like the characters in the show should learn that you shouldn't say things around a sleeping Kenshin. Because he's not <laughs> actually asleep. He's never actually asleep. Every time no. he's chilling, he's got his eyes closed. Somebody says one little thing, and he's got to go be Mr. Hero Boy and save the day, you know? Right. We know he doesn't drink, you know, like to get drunk. Like he's always on. Like he he's a he's a X Man slayer. Like he doesn't let his guard down. He's you know, he's chilling, but like his guard's never down. He doesn't get surprised. And to think you can just like walk away and go try to do some crazy shit and throw your life away, you should have known better. This is like the second or third time we've seen it in this rendition already of him somebody talking to him like while he's sleeping. So I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like it. So I did like how it focused more on Sonosuke and Katsu's relationship. 
and like bringing like the clash of ideals uh, in today's world versus what they like grew up with as kids. You know, I really liked that. And I mean, they went, they started boxing pretty hard and I loved that. It was cool to see these guys who have been friends for so long having such a big clash over like, you know, like you want to change this thing. You want to change this to, you know, the four race or the four classes are equal per, you know, our master Sagara. But I've shown you like, this is already happening. And then Sonosuke goes to list all the people at this party how they're all from different walks of life and how they've all come together to like create, you know, what his master envisioned. So I really like the way they did it there. That's actually real. Yeah, I fuck with that heavy, actually. That part of the episode I really did like. Um, did you guys was Sano like pulling his punches against Katsu? Because uh last episode, Katsu kind of like tells us like he's not that physically strong. So I thought like it was like kind of like a fake fight. Like, what did you think about it, Tyler? He 100% was. There's no way because this dude, you know, Sanosuke is like strong as hell. Like he, he give Kenshin a little bit of a fight. And like you said, um, he's made to, he's portrayed as weaker and, um, you know, not as strong as Sanosuke, I guess you can say. So the fact that he was kind of going toe to toe with Sanosuke was kind of surprising for me. But then I was like, well, you know, Sanosuke is probably, you know, tolerating it slash pulling his punches more than likely is what it seems like to me. So. Yeah, I'm curious to see if he actually was pulling his punches, though, because his friend was so or Katsu was so driven during this part of the episode that like. He might have found like an inner strength or something from I mean, the the dude grew up in a freaking army like. I know he's just painting pictures now, but like you got to figure he's still got some 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 of that grit in him, you know? Yeah, um, I agree with that to a certain extent, but I, I think uh, how weird Sanosuke's body is and like how much punishment it can actually take. I, I think he was just like chilling, honestly, not trying to beat the shit out of his old friend, because at one point he lets Katsu get on top of him and is like punching him over and over and over. And Sano is just like looking at him like, bro, <laughs> what like, are you doing? like this isn't really going anywhere. <laughs> yeah you're right I mean, there's, there's only so much grit can get you bro when it comes to this hey man i'm hoping old chicken chicken katsu here has got a little spice in his life you know i mean the the most spicy he's got in his life is maybe drawing smut or something bro <laughs> he was too busy drawing his old master Oof. to draw smut <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, they show up to the um, minister, the home ministry, I believe is the next thing we get into and um, start like throwing bombs. Is is that where we're at? No, we're well past that. Oh, OK. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we can definitely talk about that fight scene. Well, quote unquote fight scene. It was it was more like a dog walking um, between Katsu and, and Kenshin. I like how Sanosuke was like on the sidelines, like, bro, this isn't going to work. Like, the man is here now. Like, that guy is here. And, like, he's just throwing bombs. And Kenshin's not even cutting the bombs. He's cutting the fucking fuses off the bombs yeah. as they're flying. Oh, dude. Yeah. I mean, he's like cutting fuses. Like, it, it's crazy watching him work the way he does, dude. He's such a badass. Yes. And then he lets, you know, one bomb goes off and Katsu's like, ah, I got his ass. 
And Sana's like, no, bro. Like, chill, 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 chill. <laughs> He's like, he dodged that. Like a hundred percent. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna scratch this man. So it was it was it was definitely a dog walking. And conveniently yeah. enough, the bomb that did go off actually just conveniently blew a door in the wall so they can waltz right out of there. Yeah, after Sanasuke like knocked his buddy out, which was uh uh pretty interesting so yes yes um oh yeah, yeah. Go, go, going back to katsu did you guys like you know towards the end of the episode did you guys like how he like changed his mind and like how he found a new way to be um revolutionary instead of like directly going after the government yeah i, I did match the speed yeah i was gonna say i definitely think it matches speed but um, before that, though, I mean, the fact that he was going to go commit seppuku yeah. in front yeah, of Yeah, okay, yeah, we can't, got to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, when he awakens, he realizes that Kenshin took all of his homemade bombs. Homie had a big old collection, a little storeroom in his house. And he decides that the only way that he can bring on the change he wants is to basically go in front of the government and say a bunch of shit about how it's all corrupt and then kill himself to get people's eyes on this. And I'm really glad Sano didn't let that happen because that would have been that would have been fucking shit, dude. Not a good ending to this arc. You know, if that happened. Bro is low-key suicidal. Yeah. He's, I mean, he said he's, he hasn't had fun in 10 years, dude. Like, Jesus. Man's just been painting pictures and making bombs. <laughs> That's real sad. That's real sad. <laughs> <laughs> At least make fireworks, you know? At least those go boom and they're pretty. <laughs> Probably make a fortune. Did. It would make, you know, and then he wouldn't have to hide his bombs so damn much under the floorboard. <laughs> He'd be constantly making bombs. Boom. There you go. That would have been kind of cool. Just yeah. like pulls up to the house ministry with freaking fireworks going off. <laughs> they think it's a fireworks show. Really, it's a bombing. <laughs> Free bird in the background. <laughs> <laughs> We've watched too much Undead Unluck, bro. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, after that, we get the whole coming of coming to coming to Christ moment I get. And as Vass was saying, Katsu changed his mind and found a new way to try and promote the change that his master envisioned. And we learn this when um, the painting dealer sees Sonosuke again and says, hey, I have something for you. You're that guy from yesterday. And this all happened in a day. So that's always crazy too, like how fast things go in this show. And he basically said, this is, this is the last painting that so-and-so did. Because I can't remember his pen name. He's just got to. Sunan. And he's like, this is the last painting he did. And it's of his master. And he gives it to him. And then we learn that he is going to basically start an illustrated newspaper. So a comic book against the government. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah i mean and we all know like the the power of, of the the pen is mightier than the sword and that's a much easier way for him to get people behind his cause than trying to take over the home ministry with some hand uh, some homemade bombs yeah you know? definitely cool you guys want to get on jjk yeah yeah i'm down so guys we got jujitsu kaisen episode 16 thunderclap love that name love that name <laughs> um so yeah we're still in shibuya but you know it, no longer is it jogo and toji the one handing out hands l's bows whatever you want to call it 
we have a new big bat in town. Sukuna's here, our guy. So <laughs> I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I know you guys were too. So we'll get right to the start of the episode. So we start off with this episode uh, with Toji, you know, kind of circling Megami. And it's really looking like, you know, he's really, really box. He's he's going after the strongest person uh, from last week. And it kind of saved Megami from Gojo unknowingly because everybody else got literally fried, cooked. Barbecue <laughs> chicken alert. As they Shaq done says. <laughs> yeah, like one shot, too. I don't th- I think Megami would have got cooked like for real. Um, so like a more traditional battle, a more drawn up battle, I think is more Megami style with his sh- Shinigamis. Yeah, but Megami kind of realizes almost instantly that he's not able to do jack shit against Toji. And he calls in his uh his rabbits, his little escape rabbits to help him out. And I know you guys saw this a million times on the internet uh since <laughs> last week. <laughs> but Toji boxing out those rabbits was so cool, man. It was so nuts. They were in that warehouse. Um but um what do you guys what did you guys think about the scene? What was your perception of it? The the slow-mo and everything. I thought it was so gassed up. Dude, jaw just hitting the ground. Like it was just so badass. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like I didn't know like I didn't know he was capable of I mean, I knew he was a badass, but I didn't know he was capable of like doing like a like a finger pistol type deal with just anything he could that's around him. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's so broken. Like he, like he's so broken. But we should have realized that, you know, with the fact that he can go toe to toe with uh, Gojo, you know. And, and I think if he would have been on his game against Gojo, like Gojo, even would have had a hard time with him. Um, because this is him at the height of his power. Uh, Toji was washed when he lost against Gojo. Um, I thought the rabbits were really cool though. Like they were crashing straight, crashing out for our boy Megami. Um, them trying to box him up. We had one fucking rabbit swing in like he was fucking Spider-Man from uh <laughs> from Toji's right. And I was like, man, I didn't know they were really active like this, man. So I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I really enjoyed that scene. Like a lot. Just just to see Toji's power, his capability, you know. Yes. So. I just think it's so funny though, because like as badass as this scene was. It was just absolutely overshadowed by the rest of the episode. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I finished this and I was like, wait, was that Toji fight this episode or the last episode? <laughs> because it just goes off the rails. It does. Yes, uh, it's crazy they fit two really good fights in like that. I mean, we're just living in peak right now, I guess. In JJK, bro. Uh, like Shibuya's as much nuts. as we hate to see what's happening, it's just like very interesting to watch it. Though it's like it's like the dumpster fire you can't look away from, you know. It really is like <laughs> it, it like it, such be- terrible things are happening to like the main cast, the quote unquote good guys. Um, but it's it's amazing. It's amazing. Like you're really just not sure what's gonna happen. Um, but uh, I, I I do want to get back to the rest of this fight because it was it was gas, even though. The Sukuna fight obviously took over the episode. Um, this Megami Toji thing was also gas. But uh yeah, Megami kind of notices notices Shoko is around and he he realizes, okay, I can I can get a little in- injured. Meanwhile, he's getting trucks, uh pothole covers, 
signs thrown at him like fucking boomerangs in this bitch. Um, uh, we got a we got a, a cameo from Truck Coon. Uh, it's it's crazy that bro kicked a truck at his son. Like that thing was in park. You know what I'm saying? Like that thing was in park. And he's like, nah, nah, we breaking that. He so I thought it like was really that, cool. You know, for real, <laughs> dude is dude is broken. It's absolutely broken. I um, I did love at one point. Um, Megami was like, this is like Maki on steroids, and I'm like, bro, Maki doesn't touch the fucking like flame to this guy he's like so much more broken yeah she can't even like breathe the air that he breathes like it's it's like it's literally what megami says is like it, it's 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 maki perfected pretty much um yeah perfected times two i mean even probably so yeah i, I I'm, <laughs> I'm i'm okay with you saying that for sure <laughs> that might be um, an understatement <laughs> so knowing knowing that Shoko is there, do you think like any of the people that we've seen fall has a shot at being saved by her, knowing that she can do the unthinkable kinda in those categories? Um I, there's there's only certain injuries she can't heal, though. I'm not sure what those injuries are, but Megami mentions them. He doesn't just say I can get injured. He says I have to get injured in a way where Shoko can actually heal me. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna kill everybody off because that would be pretty nuts, <laughs> especially with how like I guess like how popular some of these characters are. Nanami. So I don't know. Yeah, like Nanami, like uh, Maki, like everybody. Like I don't see them all dying. You know, Nanami's toast. Bro is ashes. I don't think she can heal ashes. I, I don't know, man. We'll see. <laughs> so is Maki, though, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think those three are cooked. <laughs> I think they're actually cooked. Um, which I oh, guess in I'm, a way I'm, they are. I'm holding out, bro. Like, I'm holding out. I'm hoping. I, I'm hoping Shoko can do something because... They they even said that like Gojo couldn't even do what Shoko can do or whatever. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. I guess I, I'm I'm really hoping we get to see Nanami again. Like Maki, it, it is what it is. But Nanami, he's a bad bitch, bro. Yeah, you know. Yeah, no. Yeah, he really is the man. I like his character as well. But I, I don't. I just don't think he's coming back. And I think oh. I feel like that would make those deaths and those moments so cheap. And like we already thought Jogo was a joke, so I think it wouldn't help his case. Yeah. I love how we thought Jogo was a joke this entire time, and then we find out he's like half as strong as Sukuna, who is like <laughs> fucking absolutely broken. <laughs> yes. I mean Yeah, I I don't know. Uh I mean, but we we've only ever seen Jogo go up against, you know, the most broken character in jjk right so we didn't really have a a proper like basis you know what I yeah mean? yeah no that baseline was skewed very skewed 100 oh, <laughs> i just like, i don't think we realized like we knew gojo was the strongest but like we didn't realize how big of a gap there was so the the power and, it, and i think that's a great narrative thing to do like you just actually see joko actually go full tilt and it's just like what this dude can do all this. And he got crushed, but yeah, it's cool. But yeah, getting back to it, like making me, you know, making me takes a kind of like one last high risk play to catch uh, Toji off guard. 
Um, and we kind of go to get a flashback where Toji is talking to the head of the Zenin clan about selling off Megami. And he specifically says, I'll give you eight if he has the hereditary power. And the leader's like, no, nah, I'll take 10. I'll take 10. I'm not even going to jip you, which that's terrible negotiations. <laughs> you know, maybe the, maybe the whole clan is broke because I don't know what the fuck he was doing. Um, <laughs> like for real though. But, um, and I think when Megami tra- pulled that, I guess like it's a cursed object out of like a void, I'm assuming that's their hereditary power. Mm-hmm. Because when Toji saw that, he backed up immediately. He almost got stabbed uh, and he's like backs up and he says, you know, he kind of asks his son. He realizes his son, he kind of snaps out of his trance. He's no longer fighting on instinct. He's like, you know, what's your last name, my boy? What's your name? He says, Fushiguro. He's like, all right, then. My work is done. What did you guys think about this scene, man? Like, did, I, did you guys think I interpreted it right? Because that's what I thought. Something along those lines, definitely. I don't know if it was that or maybe he like, he finally like, got a whole because like that wasn't toji mentally there most of that time you know he was in a blind rage so maybe seeing his son's face or his eyes or something kind of like clicked something in his head too i don't know if it was that or the ability but you know it was very heart i i I, like was sad to see toji go in that way like i wanted to see him go box a sukuna (laughs) i think that's what everybody wanted but if if he went and boxed Sukuna, then obviously, you know, Megumi would have to have fallen probably, right? So. Yes. Um, I thought, what I thought was going to happen was, like, Toji was going to, like, beat Megumi within, like, an inch of his life. And then Sukuna was going to, like, sense that shit and pull up on his ass. Okay. Because we know Sukuna wants to see how powerful Megumi gets. He's been saying that for a long time at this point. And he even yeah. says to Jogo, I'll kill every human in Shibuya except for one. We know he's talking about Megami. Really? You, oh, I, I never did put that together, bro. Okay. Yeah. he. That's the only reason he hasn't like going crazy trying, trying to take over Yuji's body. Like he's just waiting on Megami to like get his weight up. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That's that what's sense. keeping him in control. Like that's what's keeping him patient. He wants to play the game with Megami eventually. I got you. Okay. Yeah. But I um, thought it was good. He snapped out of it. I thought it was a good moment where he snapped out of it and like put the put uh put the spear through his head. I really liked that moment. I was very surprised, honestly. Like I didn't see that happening like at all. I didn't see anything like that happening. I thought it was going to be something else that got him away from Toji somehow, mm-hmm. but that was definitely not in my anywhere close to what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> true, 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 true. Yeah, when I saw that, I was I was very, very surprised. Like, I just did not see that coming, especially, like, with the blind rage that he was in, I did not see him just, like, snapping out of it, you know? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think that, like, him realizing it was his son could break him out of that that his instructions to go kill the strongest. I'm not sure how that worked. That was the only thing that was a little unclear to me, but the fact that it did was really cool. Yeah. All right. I guess uh, then we see Haruda, um, which is the blonde ponytail uh, 
uh, guy that uh, Nanami beat the shit out of is apparently back and uh, sneaks up on Megumi and just just catches him off guard and just slashes him. And uh, then we just leave that scene um, and head over to uh, Panda and Kusakabe um, searching for civilians. So... <laughs> yeah, Kusakabe is trying to trick Panda into like not fighting anybody because Kusakabe is is bitch made. Um, <laughs> you know, he, and like Panda's just trying to be a good guy and like go find people that are hiding because Kusakabe is trying to make him care about it. Um, but as they run into some people from Ghetto's old, I guess, group of people, uh, the real Ghetto, um, they start getting in it, uh, boxing a little bit, and Kusasabe is like, hey, um, I've, I've sensed two special grade curses fighting and they're headed this direction. And he literally says, it's going to be two elephants stomping around over ants and we're the ants. So we need to leave. <laughs> that shit went so hard, dude. <laughs> like I understand he's a pussy, but his way of describing that was pretty badass. Yeah. Like he knew like, he was like, bro, we, we need to leave if we want to live. We need to um, get out of here, bro. We need to say deuces. <laughs> yes yes um and then yeah we kind of go to the big fight between sukuna and gojo and, and gojo Go-go. uh jojo jogo is getting hammered around thrown through buildings tossed laser beam bow bow bow, bow. um <laughs> if you haven't seen it already please go check this shit out it was an amazing amazing fight and we get a flashback from jogo kind of you know and get to telling him he's uh maybe eight or nine sukuna fingers out of the 20 and Jogo was like, yeah, I knew he was going to be stronger than me, bro. But like, I didn't know it was going to be this big of a power gap. He didn't realize what eight or nine fingers versus 20 was. Yeah. And I also, I also really loved it because during this flashback, Ghetto is like, that might be a. Uh, a generous, a generous <laughs> assumption here. And we clearly saw it was. Yes, yes, yes. But um, you know what? He deserved it. He fed him like fucking eight fingers or 11 fingers or whatever it was. Like he was asking for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think everything was going smooth until Sukuna goaded him into fighting. And well, he like, didn't have a choice though, right? Like Sukuna was going to kill him regardless, right? I'm not sure if he would have. I'm not I sure if he, he would have. Oh, I'm pretty sure he said humor me or I'm going to kill you. Something along those lines. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sukuna was bored, bro. He woke up and like he Nanako and Mimiko pissed him off, and he's like, "Bro, if you don't fight me right now and humor me just a little bit, I'm gonna kill you." <laughs> I perceived that conversation a little. I, I think he would have killed him, like regardless. But I, I, I thought he was more like trying to goad him into like wanting to fight instead of fighting because like you think I'm gonna kill you. Because he's like, "I'll work for you if you can just lay one hand on me." And I think that's the whole reason Jogo like thought it was like, okay, I can hit him once, bro. Like I can lay, I can put something on this man. I'm not gonna win. I know I'm not gonna win. But I gotta, you know, I can I can hit him. But bro's <laughs> throwing meteors, doing all kinds of crazy <laughs> shit. He's just getting boxed up. It was by it. Yeah. God. I I this might be one of my favorite meteor scenes, honestly. Um, just for the fact that uh Sukuna goes in like uh as Panda and them is trying to run away and he just jumps down and is like stop nobody move until I say move and like the meteor's just falling this whole time 
and he waits till he gets right smack on top of him. It's like, okay, now y'all can go and collapse. Like that that was insane. That just shows you how powerful Sukuna actually is. And it shows us that he's a freaking troll. So I love that. Yeah. <laughs> he's not a demon, dude. <laughs> yeah, he just wants to have fun. Like he just wants to play. And this is his way of playing. Um, he kind of <laughs> just does whatever he wants. And like it's just like crazy. Like he's so strong that like there can be a meteor coming at you and like you still just like do what does what he says. It's like, okay, like either he's just not gonna let me go or he's gonna kill me. So I might as well stand here while this fucking meteor is coming at me. <laughs> so real talk, like, do y'all think anybody made it out of that besides Sukuna? Hell no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Sukuna just wanted to see the fucking fear in their eyes. That that's all that was about. He didn't give a shit. He just wanted to see them stop breathing and blinking and just fear for their lives. It's a it's a game to him, honestly. Yeah. My favorite part of that scene was Panda's face. Like fangs out <laughs> in a running stance, like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> but he can't move, bro. No. Like he gonna die if he does. So. Dude, I would be shitting myself, like terrified. I would just give up, honestly. I just, I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining that um that meme with uh oh what's his? It's a music artist. I can't remember his name, and he's just like looking up his sunglasses. That would just be Tyler. Oh, he's <laughs> <laughs> talking about the, the the meme weekend where he's just yeah, yeah he's just looking up yeah, the, the, just the weekend just. The weekend meme, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I guess we get into like um after all this is said and done, uh, Sukuna kind of uh, meets Jogo one last time and says he's gonna fight him with his own technique. And did y'all know that he could like just copy techniques like that? I don't think it was so much like a copy. I, I think I, th I don't know what Sukuna's ability is, but I think he can just kind of do whatever. I think he's just <laughs> that fucking talented, bro. I think he's just got it all. He's the total package. <laughs> he can just do whatever. Yeah. I mean, Jogo was kind of like shocked, though, you know, that he was able to use it. So, yeah, I mean, the only techniques we've seen Sukuna use are slashing. I think he, like cleave and I forgot what his other move is, but. Everything has been around cutting things into itty bitty little bits. Yes. So watching then, homie, I'll go for it. Yeah, and then Jogo's also surprised. He's like, "You can fight me with my own element." He's like, I thought his specialty was slicing and and, and slashing. So yeah, he was taken aback. But Sukuna, go ahead. I'm gonna let you go. Yeah. So I was just gonna say. I mean, Sukuna does one of the most badass attacks we've seen in JJK yet. He literally creates a flame arrow and pulls it back. It just absolutely obliterates Jogo with it to the afterlife. Like it was, it was freaking cool. And the way they animated it was really well done. Yes, yes. It was, I thought it was a really, really cool scene. Like he had like the fire just like dripping off of his hands. Um, one cool detail that I got out of this last part of the fight was like it had gotten so hot where they were standing that the glass that was coming off the buildings was just melting in midair as it was falling. That was really, really cool to me. I was like, they like showed that it was like fucking 800 degrees Fahrenheit in that bitch. Like just, they were just standing in it. Yeah. I loved how like they started to show it heating up and like they showed like a soda can explode. 
and then by the end of it, we're watching Glass Melt. So that's really good, like, context clues to show just how hot it's getting, you know? Yes. And uh, I believe it was as uh, Joko was, like, charging up his meteor we just talked about. I think, I think it, or while they were fighting, they showed, like, a, a temperature sensor. And it went from, like, 19 degrees Celsius to, I think, to, like, 1900 like 900 degrees celsius almost like instantly and that was just them boxing outdoors over it so like it was it was hot it was the depths of hell in shibuya um but yeah like yeah i was i really liked another thing i liked about the ending there was like that that sukuna was like yeah you know i know a lot of people explain their abilities but i'm not going to do something so petty as to try to explain my ability to you uh, because we know in this universe, they have a reason for it, unlike most anime, where they just yell out their abilities. They do it to like trick you or make you think about how to beat them instead of fighting your own fight. Sukuna's like, nah, we're just going to go raw power. But what do you guys think Sukuna's ability is, though? I think it's like, uh, I don't want to say like the ability to steal somebody's, but I think it's like power replication or something along those lines. Hmm. Because, I mean, he pulls out a, a a flaming arrow and fighting a fire guy. So I'd be curious to see what else he can do, you know? True, true. Sukuna was also surprised he didn't know what his power was. So very yeah. interesting. interesting you've, worshipped, little... you've worshipped me for how long and you don't know what I can do? Right. He knew something in that up. So before we get to the like end of this fight, did you, like, the conclusion, I guess, um... Did you guys have like a favorite technique that Jogo threw out there? It's okay. gotta be the meteor, right? Yeah. Nah, dude. The two magma hands coming up and pushing two freaking skyscrapers together on on um oh. that shit was so hard, dude. Like I did not <laughs> expect that. Like meteor? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's a volcano man. That makes sense, right? But two giant magma hands coming out of nowhere and just watching Jogo like push him together like in his like look it was just such a cool scene even even after where uh we get the t pose from sukuna right yeah <laughs> yeah so t pose is officially um in the requirement for anime photo of the year because i believe kaido did it during his fight with luffy <laughs> <laughs> one one thing i found really interesting about this whole fight was uh when they was at the bottom of the all the buildings after uh sakuna just threw him through all of them you know and uh he's like the moonlight shines down and makes me see how pitiful you are or something like that and it looked like he was like a a grim reaper you know and he mm -hmm. then he was just like okay okay do your best you know try your hardest get up and give me some more you know and just laughing i really love that it just shows you who sukuna really is so yeah, he was like holding him by his collar, like you can do it, buddy. Uh, one more right, time, I'm ready. You know, one one more <laughs> round. You got one in you. Yeah, I'm probably gonna go rewatch this when I when we when we finish up tonight. <laughs> it was so good, bro. <laughs> what did oh, you guys think about the uh, after Sukuna kills Joko um, with his flaming arrow, which we didn't even get to see like the final uh, clash there? What did you guys think about what Sukuna was talking to Jogo about? So first off, I was really confused how Sukuna can just go to the afterlife, basically. Like it showed him, it showed the other uh, cursed spirits. And then just Sukuna chilling in the background. I was like, wait, is this like between the plane? Like he's like looking 
death and Sukuna standing there in the real world. Like I was just kind of confused by that, you know. But Sukuna I think was, was too. Sukuna was too, though. He was like, "This has never happened before," and Jogo was as well. So everybody was kind of confused about it. Um, why it happened, where they was, and all that good stuff. So. Yeah, I was thinking maybe because Sukuna doesn't have an actual body of his own yet, so oh, he's kind of just hanging out in in in, in purgatory. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but yeah, I could re- be. Yeah, I don't know. I did really like the parallel of what Sukuna said to Jogo versus what Gojo said to Jogo, because if you guys remember when they first fought uh, Jogo and Gojo, he was like, "You're weak." You're, you're, you know, you're just, you're nothing. You're weak. But Sukuna had the respect to say, like, you're strong. Be proud of what you just did. And I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jogo's like crying. <laughs> and he's like, what is this coming out of my eye? My big weird ass eye. And Sukuna's like, bro, I don't even know. I don't know that. Yeah. I've never, so they don't know I've what never crying done is. that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been a bitch like that, bro. <laughs> yeah. But I thought that was a it was it was a great reflection of who Sukuna is versus who uh Gojo is. Um, I think Sukuna has respect for people that have uh, a certain level of power. Uh because he just likes fighting. I, I think he's just a, a big troll, respects power. Uh and he also tells uh Jogo like yeah, you should have. You could have been stronger, man. Like you should have just did what you want when you were here. That's why you didn't win. That's why you couldn't beat Gojo. He was playing by rules. He had a strategy. Where Sukuna is just chaos. So, I you wonder point, if any though. of the other curses will pick up on something like that. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I guess we close out the episode with uh, um. Yurame is showing up behind Sukuna. Um, I I don't know who that is, but apparently we've met him before. So, do y'all know remember them? I don't think that we met Yurame. Uh, I think Sukuna knows who who it is. I looked um, it up and it says that uh, um, we actually met him in like the first uh first season sometime. Um, so I just ne- I didn't remember who they was. So. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, and then we also go and see that a Megumi is in bad shape right now, and Haruda is uh, looking at a new monster that's a curse or something that's coming his way, and he's scared to death, and he's, I guess, wanting Megumi to get up and fight it, maybe, or something like that. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you have any thoughts about that? What could scare... Haruda that's coming after everybody. Haruda's not strong. So like it could be anything mildly strong. Haruma is like a, a hit and go person. And and, yeah. and Harada even says it like, yeah, this is more my style of fighting when he like slashes <laughs> man, it could be in the back. Like you you're a bitch. Like you're a whole bitch. You can't even fight like that. The only thing I could think of, and it's because we saw him earlier in this episode, is the fifth member of like ghetto's original team oh. that guy with the heart tattoo on his chest mm-hmm. Interesting. i'm thinking it might be him because why would they have introduced him otherwise you know and we know he's in shibuya so like i'd be curious to see if it was him just coming to lay the hammer for some unknown reason you know 
Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I, I, I was like, it can't be a curse, right? Because why would he be trying to fight Haruda? You know, they're on the same side, right? So that makes sense. Yeah, because he said he was going to say neutral, but maybe he just wants to box up Haruda because he's a slime ball. Maybe. Can follow that. Alrighty, uh, y'all got anything else on JJK? Nah, that's it for me. Let's Alrighty. get to Goat Piece. Yes, One Piece 1083, the world that moves on. A new organization, Cross Guild. So, we're so close to set and sell again. But before we do, there's a couple things we must finish up on in Wano. Um, and this episode starts off with Kinemon rushing to see Raizo and Shinobu being treated by Chopper after they run in with Ryukuju. Um, and I thought they was goners. I ain't gonna lie. I, all their life force being sucked out of them, but I guess they'll be okay. Um, and everyone's starting to realize that Kaido's presence is kind of what stopped people from attacking Wano. Um, do we think they'll actually be able to handle threats now? N- no comment. Because I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. some oh, of these oh. questions are made for bass. <laughs> yeah. So, as the non uh, manga reader here, <laughs> I think they'll be fine for the most part. Uh, I think once Mo- Momo gets his legs under him, we see he can use bl- uh, blast breath now. I think they'll be okay. He's got some training to do, but like if he can, like you know, be half of what Kaido is, no one's really going to pull up on them like that. Plus the retainers, I think they'll be okay in the long run. Yeah. I mean, what's the success rate now? 10% on using Blast Breath? So. Dude, yeah, bro. Bro, <laughs> he's, he's, he's starting to cook. He's starting to cook. <laughs> it's like riding a bike, man. You fall 10 times, but the last time you get it in that, you can ride a bike. Maybe. Uh, Sometimes. We, we, Not well, we but you can ride it the right. <laughs> we haven't confirmed that with Bobo yet. <laughs> Well, I'm hoping for their case, for for their for their own selves so that they can handle their shit. I got you. Like imagine us spending th- three years in the Lanawano and Luffy leaves and they just get their shit whacked. So unsatisfying. Sometimes it be like that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, dude. They just gotta throw a straw hag flat up at the uh, at the entrance, and people will get scared to go away. It's under protection, you know. That's a, that's a Yonko now. Very true. Yeah, and then we get into Cat Viper and Duke Dogstorm. Apparently, they're staying in Wano to help Momo, so that that'll help out kinda. Um, they make Carrot the leader in their place. Uh, she but she feels like she isn't really strong enough to be their replacement. Uh, for Zoe and the uh being the leader of the animals. And uh, do we think this is the right call? Like, will she be a good leader, even though she doesn't think she's going to be a good leader? I thought it was a crazy choice. But, you know, they told me she's got the spirit. She's living on for Pedro. So hopefully she got it like that. Um, I think she seems a little immature. Um, Isn't ready or mature enough to be, like, in that position of power. Yeah, but neither is Momo, right? Next, The next <laughs> generation is stepping up in a lot of ways, including yeah, the Minks. It's it's a it's a new era uh, between Zoe and Wano right now. So Kara's gonna have to toughen up. I think that she they both have good crews around them that can guide them until they be, can become better leaders. But as it stands today, I think they're they're a little vulnerable. Well, who do you think would have been a better choice though? Like, 
for them instead of carrot do you have anybody on your mind um who is that girl that carrot was fighting with against pedro pedro uh, uh the purple haired chick yeah i thought she'd be a decent decent uh leader she seems a little bit more mature uh maybe as like a de facto leader until carrot like grows up a little bit so that's what i was thinking i think the little monkey would have been a great choice <laughs> <laughs> we on our bullshit now <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah big time big time no i don't know i mean like yeah there are people probably more capable but you know like with all the experiences carrots had i think she has more i'm trying to think of the right word more experience in the real world and as wano and zo open up to the real world i think she'll bring a lot of value in that sense yeah she i mean and we know character yeah, like we know Carrot can really box. Um, Oolong Carrot. Yeah, Oolong Carrot are. is not a fucking joke. Like she can run on water. So <laughs> did, did it is what it is. Oolong? Yeah. <laughs> uh, did I? <laughs> oh, shit. I, I like Oolong more. It's all good. Okay, guys. It's all good. He's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> the moon is showing, bro. Yeah, if the moon's out, Carrot's got it. We know that. Moon's out, Carrot's out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but get on uh, Tengu, which is Sukiyaki now. He he presents himself to Momo, Hiori, and all the scabbards. And he just wants Momo and them to let him kind of go into retirement and, you know, kind of stay on the quiet side and not let everyone know that he is who he is. And say says that, you know, they must create the new era. Like, he, he can't help them with that. And, you know, it just makes me wonder, like, do you think that Momo and uh, company is going to be okay without someone's like advice from someone of that caliber that's done the thing and knows what they're doing? I would have smacked this shit out of my grandpa <laughs> if you would have shown up after this shit. I would have smacked this shit out of him. Okay, <laughs> we've, been, okay. we've, been, we've, we've been in this shit for 20 years. 20 years. And now you want to show your face? He was locked in a basement, dude. Locked in a basement, my ass. That's where he had his weird-ass little doll collection down there. Yeah, dude. but he was roaming around on the surface free. He knew that stuff was down there, but, like, damn, like, you can't rally the troops? Like, you just gonna be a whole bitch for 20 years and wait on your grandson to come back and do something about it? I don't your, like him. Your old grandson. I don't like him. I don't and like then, him. And then, on top of all that, then say, oh, by the way, I ain't helping you do shit. It's you You on your own. You can figure out how to rule Wano. You know what I mean? I would have smacked the shit out of Well, I mean, I don't want his advice because he's already fucked up. <laughs> so, like, I would have been like, no one's asking, old man, leave. But that's just me, you know. <laughs> he could do the paperwork, bro. What you mean? Dude, not, he, 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 he would not. Nah, not under my roof. He don't need the old man for paperwork. He's got Denjiro, bro. Like, you got to think, some of those guys were in Wano the whole time. They've been through this. Like, they're much older than everybody else so i think they'll be fine uh, in that sense like you got dendro there he was kind of a, a tough badass guy in hiding <laughs> but i think i think they'll make it work fast said put your damn mask back on get the hell out of here <laughs> <laughs> go back to making swords old man i would have I made that shit public I, like we're gonna have a nice ceremony for whole buddy being back like look this dude is a whole bitch so everybody knows this is the reason why you was the way y'all was. 
So we were down bad, and Pops was here the whole time. It's cowardly. It feels mad cowardly to me. But okay. you know, that's my take. I like it. I like that take, honestly. So I'm standing on that. <laughs> but speaking of uh, you know, uh Tengu and stuff, uh they're actually talking about the Straw Hats are talking about Pluton, which you know they found out because of him. And they're wondering why Odin wanted to unleash it. Um and that's an interesting topic. Like I don't know if we hit on that any last episode bass uh did we oh we did a little bit but like i'm I'm willing to talk about it again i don't think pluton is what like they're making out to be like a it's like a you know weapon of mass destruction i i think it's at the at the most something they could use against the world government um but that would that would be the only reason i could see odin wanting to unleash it like i don't think it's like a true danger to the world i think it's a true danger to the government yeah, and I think with Odin having been to Raftel or Laftel, whatever we're to call it, the final island, like I think he knows the forgotten history of those eight hundred years. And knowing that, I might be pretty pissed off if I knew what the world government did in that time. So I might want to go blow their ass up with a giant Pluton ancient weapon too. Fuck it, right? Exactly. Yep. Okay. Um, and then uh we get into Shinobu. Um, apparently pops up. Good as new. And she's a changed woman. Better than good as new, buddy. <laughs> I was about to say. She's a changed woman, bro. Sheesh. <laughs> so I, I guess uh, the comparison is like, um, you know, didn't Big Mom uh, do something like this? Like, isn't she got like this kind of an aspect going on too? Uh, sometimes Big Mom. Like no. in her younger days, didn't she look? Uh, pretty good looking too yeah big mom was a baddie back in the day yeah, but she yeah. was like old as dirt you know i don't know how old she was <laughs> but she was old and she had a lot of kids shinobu's just got that weird technique and i guess when she ripens up she gets a little little uh too ripe overripe overripe there you go and now she's back to unripe, i'm not sure looking uh, right to me <laughs> and Sanji and Brooke. Oh, true. <laughs> hey, them boys got eyes. They know what they see. Uh, you know, speaking of Shinobu, uh, Otama says she wants to be her apprentice, and Luffy says that you know he'll let her join the crew the next time he sees her if she can do ninjutsu. And you know, not even like me and Dan has seen this, obviously. Um. Uh, do, do we think that Otama realistically has a shot at joining the crew, like in the far future? Um, I'd, I'd say so, but probably not during the story of One Piece. I mean, what, what they've been on the sea for like a year and a half or something like that. And you know, yeah. Otama's it's going to take her some time to grow up. So not not within the show, but maybe in the future. Yeah, and I wouldn't say maybe she joins the crew, but maybe she leaves and be, joins her own pirate crew and they join the fleet or something like that you know okay because we got to remember luffy's got a fleet of five thousand strong true yeah with uh what's his name uh rooster head whatever the hell his name is uh leading the pack barto dude yeah barto big barto <laughs> um speaking of barto uh one person that we haven't seen in a while is back again caribou um 
and now apparently he knows all about Pluton. And, you know, the question is, like, do we think he's going to be trouble? Oh, yeah. For <laughs> sure. He says, oh, I got to go tell him. I don't know who him is. But people are going to be pulling up on Wano like crazy now. Yeah, I completely forgot Caribou was in Wano. So, uh, Me yeah. Too. Been a while. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But he just pop up and with his little freaky little smile, it's just like, ah, uh-huh. let an me see what I got. He is an <laughs> ugly ass character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and th- th- that's one thing I do like about this show is like, it's so long that like something can happen and like you just completely forget about it. Like we haven't seen Caribou in how long? You know, I, I don't think since we've been doing this podcast, you know? So like, it's just like you, he's he's there, but like you just haven't seen him in like a year or two. And then it's like, oh, yeah, this motherfucker was here, too. And it's not even like an ass pool. It's just like it's just been a long time. Yeah. Oda starts cooking over here. And we get what we get. It's Thanksgiving, baby. Yes, sir. He's (laughs) serving them dishes. Uh, But, yeah, um, then we get to see, you know, Luffy and company. uh, Apparently, it said goodbye to everyone except for Kinemon and Momo. Um, Like, is there any reason why you think that they wouldn't say goodbye to them? Like, is it just emotional or? I don't know. I, I really don't know the answer to that question. I, I was, um, when Momo was like, yeah, Luffy, I thought we were friends. I was, I was kind of feeling that uh, he was coming with that, that, that comment. Uh, I don't know why he wouldn't say bye to Kitamon and, and Momo. They traveled with him for so long. I think it might be hard to say goodbye after that, after that time they've been with him since Punk Hazard before Dress yeah. Rosa. Like it's nuts how long they've been a part of the story. Um, so I think that might be it. it. Maybe it's just hard to say goodbye. Yeah, that's the vibe I was getting. You know, I mean, like like Bass said, they've they've been around for a while now and uh, I'm ready to say goodbye to them and move on to the next arc. But uh, <laughs> I'm with it. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> Hell yeah, because I, I, we've been doing this shit for like, I think five episodes now, maybe six episodes, right? Or four at least. Yeah, right. and I guess we're getting a filler episode next week with more Wano crap. Yeah. Oh, is it like a legit episode just gonna be bullshit again, or like is it like a filler episode? It's it's not manga canon, so it's it's a filler episode. It's oh, been a while. No. Yeah. I, I guess, guess uh, we'll time. be having a one piece break next week, so <laughs> <laughs> boom, you got it. Yeah, it's crazy to me that that uh like I think one of the last couple of weeks I was um, before I went to Europe, like we were talking about Kaido defeating Luffy, and we come back and they're still in fucking. I come back and it's three weeks later. We're still in Wano, yeah. talking shit. Yeah, I mean, I, every time we go into the One Piece segment segment for the last few weeks, I'm thinking, you know, like, is it is it finally time? Is it finally time we set sail? And we're getting so close, guys. We're getting so close. And I guess the most exciting thing about this episode is the last few scenes that we're going to talk about here. Um, and they're talking about setting sail. So uh, Law, Kid, and Luffy, they're trying to pick a pick which way they're going to sail. Um, and that's a funny scene, obviously. Uh, and then Kid announces that Yonko Buggy has formed a cross guild with Crocodile and Mihawk under him, apparently. Uh, and that's basically like a... Bounty hunters for the Navy Marines uh, government type thing. Um, 
Do we have any thoughts on that? I don't know. Something's fishy. I'm putting them on fry watch now. <laughs> Did you just put buggy D clown on fraud watch? A hundred percent. He's all, he's been on fraud once since I saw him. Dude. I just love the fact of how much this story just works out for buggy. Like he creates the cross guild with these two guys and just somehow the poster they put out makes them look like a ringleader. <laughs> <laughs> It's just so good. You know Buggy's crew crew put that shit out there, dude. Oh, 100%. They be jock riding him. Um, Mihawk, Croc, and, and Buggy. Some, something's weird is going on here. Something's, yeah. And like, like uh, I can't remember if it was Kid or Law said, yeah, lots changed while we've been hanging out in Wano. Um, <laughs> but something doesn't smell right to me. I just got to be honest right that. Something doesn't smell right. Definitely, man. But I'm so excited that Buggy's a badass. That's so Buggy, ridiculous. Buggy ain't never gonna be a badass, bro. <laughs> no matter how much they paint him out to be one. There's just Dude, no way. Just wait till he awakens his devil fruit. He can be a badass. Oh my god. It it's it's crazy like he just keeps fall, failing upwards. Dude, it's amazing. Success. <laughs> success is suffering him, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see the cross guild thing play out. Um, I think it's really crazy that like the pirates finally had enough, and now they're putting bounties on like navy like staff. You know, like you got to think about how much that's changed the world outside of Wano that we haven't seen. We just got like bounty hunters going after navy admirals now. That's nuts. That's cool as shit. Honestly, that's a big shakeup. It is. Uh, something that we, you know, the world of pirates thought that they would never see, honestly. So, um, it's a big, it's a big deal. But I just can't believe that Buggy is a hundred percent responsible for this shit. So, uh, there's no way. You know what I mean? Uh, That's how I feel right now. That's exactly <laughs> how I feel. Fraud watch. <laughs> Mark my words, boys. Um. So I guess. Uh. I guess the last thing I guess we'll get into is. Uh, Yamato. Uh, we see Yamato, and she's saying that she's gonna go visit Luffy and them. That she's decided that she'll live like Odin, and this is kind of for you, Bass. Um, like, uh, what do you think that could mean? Uh, when she said that, um, I think she's gonna look out for Wano. I think she's gonna stay. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, we know. Odin, like, traveled the world, you know, got to the One Piece. But, like, in the end, he always wanted wanted to protect Wano. And I think Yamato sees that they're going to be vulnerable. Um, and that she needs to be there to oversee Wano along with Momo. And, like, that's their real... That could... And that would be a good stepping stone for Momo because, like, she could be the real threat and people don't... The reason people don't want to pull up and just go attack Wano all the time. Yamato is not a joke. <laughs> no. Yamato big strong. Okay, okay. Interesting, interesting. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to see what you thought about it because obviously Dan and I know knows what's gonna happen. So I guess mm -hmm. uh I guess we'll see not on next week's episode of One Piece. So Yeah, I uh I just <laughs> she's just not giving me straw hat vibes. I don't know. Okay. Okay. I guess we'll see in what two weeks? So something like that. 
But um, I guess that's it. If, if that's it for y'all, I'm good to go. Awesome. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed the very late weekly rundown for this week. Uh, apologize. We had a little vacay going on with a couple of us. Uh, if you have any questions or topics that you'd like us to discuss about any of the shows we're watching, make sure you let us know in the Discord uh, Monday because then we can get it up on our list of topics to talk about. Uh, if you want to join the Discord, if you're not in there yet, linktree.com slash animedgens. And make sure to rate the podcast on whatever platform you listen to us on. We'd really appreciate it. It helps us look better. And that's very important to me. I want to be the best. <laughs> the very best. Like no, no one ever was. was. <laughs> All right, guys. Peace. Later.